Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and you're listening to the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast. What? In and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that would never, ever flush a small animal down a toilet. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're saying goodbye to the 70s and saying hello to the 80s as we delve into the mouth of March Madness and travel back 40 years to talk the horror classics from our 1980 bracket. And you don't have to tease up your hair to listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played, hit subscribe, and then when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your big hair hole. And if you want to send a picture of a side ponytail to us on social media, <laughs> not too bad this time, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. It's going to be me. It's gonna, Hey, that's okay. We'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> Uh, but if you are on the book of face with us, make sure you are checking out all of the horrific happenings with our little uh, events tab for shenanigans. And again, as we are recording these uh, a little bit in advance, we don't know what exactly is going on right now. But we know there's going to be shenanigans. But the main shenanigan is the madness. The madness has begun. And make sure to then go ahead, check out the brackets, send it in, show your work. But... Yep. This is the first official, you know, day of the week that we are going to be showing our work, Genius. We mm-hmm. are here, ultimately in the first round, and... And you're going to get a double dose of junkhead. Oh, you're getting all sorts, yeah, because you're, you're probably going to, wait a minute, uh, you guys on a Monday, I don't get enough of you during the, the rest of the week. Ugh, these guys again. But as Genius mentioned, the madness has set in, and for the month of March, you will get two episodes a week here on Monday and Friday, and ultimately, before we start, I think it's appropriate for us to maybe... I don't know how is it to pour one out because we're technically saying goodbye to the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. This is the first now we've this is our fourth year doing we this. We got to pour out our tabs. We got to what is it? <laughs> pour out our tabs. No, that's 80s. That's 80s. That's, that's pretty 80s. much that's 80s. 80s. But no, it's it's kind of rough because Disco's closed. The, oh, can't go home but you can't stay here. Yep. Yeah. Bummer. Bummer. Yep. But it's sad to say goodbye to the 70s cuz I'll admit some of the best films, some of the best experiences oh, yeah. came from those years. Oh, absolutely. Not only did uh, 78 take the whole thing with Halloween, Halloween yeah. right? But I had the new, I had an Eaten Alive. That's where the precipice of the Eaten Alive moment came from. It's part of your psyche at this point. Scared the shit out of me. A brand new movie I haven't seen from the 70s. And I think one of my biggest and best surprises came out of the 70s with Martin. Oh, Martin was a re- revelatory yeah. experience. Yeah, that one is powerful movie that I, like still sticks with me and the fact that that's the reason why I saw this movie just because because the bracket the madness absolutely and then also one of the things that I don't know if it's necessarily a good thing that we're saying goodbye to but as much fun as we had with the 70s there were definitely some films that were also uh, problematic potentially the 1970s another time another place and gratuitous so I'm not necessarily sorry to see that go but I'm also here to say that even though we're saying goodbye to the 70s, it's still ain't, all over the 1980. Ain't nothing changed, oh man. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we're going to go all... We're, we're not going to get all creeps in... Well, we will, <laughs> but eventually. But, like, no, there's a lot 
to be said about the 80s that it's still it still's got that little 70s flavor but oh. hopefully not as dour as the 70s well it's really funny because for many people many people out there say the 1980s was the best decade yeah. for horror i will say that Every decade is the best decade for horror if you know where to look. Absolutely. Well, that's ultimately what this tournament is all about because, as we mentioned in the selection episode, it's tough to pare these down to just eight films. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, we have eight films from the year of 1980 that are really interesting representation of what was going on in the 80s. But again, many of them feel as if they could have come out in 1977. Yeah. Which is, again, I don't know what that says about them, but... We do bring a couple of criteria here in the first round of the Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament. We're going to show our work, and we invite you to do the same. We want to make sure whatever you know film goes forward, there is a reason. Now, mm-hmm. here we're going to ultimately talk two particular reasons, and what I like to think that we do is we're approaching the, the whole body, if you mm-hmm. will, because the first criteria we're going to look at is we're closing, we're looking at the, the pathos involved with us, the nostalgia, yep. and we ask which of the two films is ultimately closer to your heart. Closer to the heart! R.I.P. Neil Peart, of course, the drummer of Rush, but we've been doing that little gimmick from the beginning. But then on the flip side of that, we then go from the heart to the head. And Mm -hmm. from pathos, we go to logic. And then that's when we look at the bracket topics that we talked about in the selection episode. Which of these fits the theme of what we're looking for? Again, we are showing our work. Now, ultimately, and occasionally, and it's happened before in the past, we end up with a tie. Mm-hmm. Now, in the past as well, we've kind of improvised tiebreakers. Right. But ultimately, one of the things I wanted to make sure this year as well is Fangoria was one of the co-sponsors of this year's Panic Fest. And so I, you know, looking forward to that. And then also in the 80s, especially, Fangoria became something of a presence in the horror world. Uh, you All of a sudden, it was that gateway for so many of us. So yeah. ultimately, we're going to look at, if we have a tie, which of these uh, two films ended up on the cover of a Fangoria. On the cover of the old Fango, gonna buy five copies for my brother. Gonna watch some movies on Shutter. Gonna see my gruesome face on the cover of the old Fango. So ultimately, that is the tiebreaker. Very nice, genius. Thank you. Dulce of tones there, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! So let us, yeah, again, we're going from the Neil Pert to the Dr. Hook Dr. there. Dr. Hook, yeah. That's impressive. That is very impressive. So let's go ahead and go to our first bracket topic. And like we said, I don't know if anyone had a better 1980 or the 80s or just a career in horror than Tom Savini. Yeah. He is just an icon of horror. His work, his acting. Uh, there's a great documentary on Shudder right now. Shudder. The Shudder shout out. Yep. Devoted entirely to him. And ultimately, if you get if you take one thing away from the documentary, it's that the man loves to do backflips off of things. <laughs> he, for all of his artistry, because yeah. he's a, a phenomenal artist, for all of the work he's brought, it just all the early footage of him... It's just doing all this stunt work and just being so active. And you're like, my God. Dude, backflips and fucking with David Letterman. Just like, <laughs> I'm never working with you again. <laughs> it's wonderful. But ultimately, in 1980, he worked on two films that, beyond, if they were the only films that he ever worked on. Fucking highlight reel, man, right you're here. You're not kidding. And we are talking about 1980s, Friday the 13th, 
and Maniac. Mm-hmm. Which of the two genius shall we uh, delve into first? Let's do Maniac. Maniac. Now, we talk um, films that have reputations, mm-hmm. films that are notorious, films that you, maybe the general public might know about them Yeah. based on just the name. For example, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Guaranteed, a lot of people have never seen it, but they know it. Yeah. They know the reputation. By reputation alone. Um, By the fucking name alone. One of the honorable mentions from this year, Cannibal Holocaust. Mm -hmm. Exact same thing. Maniac is a film that it took me a while to get to. Yeah. Because of the reputation. Oh, yeah? Because of the cover art. Yeah. The cover art terrified me just the as a kid scalp and the and the blood dangling off the knife yeah that and also the the phallus that i don't know if it was the inspiration for the goblin king and labyrinth <laughs> but it's pretty pronounced all i'm saying but ultimately one, in Bulgerama. Uh, once i once i initially saw the <laughs> film though i mean it packed a punch yeah it's a film that's dirty it's a uh, bill lustig uh directed it which it feels like a Bill Lustig film. Yeah. Uh, between this, like Maniac Cop, Maniac Cop Two, his films, they're just there's a veneer to of, them of grit and grime. This is a film again that came from the seventies. Yeah. This is a ultimately. this is a Forty Second Street movie. He's uh, he's it's, on Forty Second Street half the time. Yeah. This is a a, a, a mean mean movie. It, but it's it's like the precursor to Henry, Henry's serial uh, portrait of a serial killer. If you've never mm-hmm. seen this movie, Maniac, but it's 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 a tough movie. It's not one that you just throw on. Many films that we talk about, there's some that you could throw a normie to. Right. Someone that doesn't watch horror. There are some that you will, you know, an entry level horror film. This is next level. This is one that you could pair with a Henry portrait of a serial killer. Right. But you have to prepare someone for this. Mm-hmm. This is one of those films that I have to know in advance that I'm going to be watching Maniac. Like, look, this movie is really messed up. It's There's a lot of heavy themes going on in this movie. And there's some gratuitous violence. Oh, crazy violence of which is, you know, the essence of Savini. But I think that this film works Ultimately, mm-hmm. absolutely built around the performance of Joe Spinell, who he's such he a, he's a force. Yeah, a dynamic character, you know. And, and I'm not praising him because he's not a good character oh, yeah, at no, all. No. He's he's a he's a terrible human being. But you can't help but watch him. Uh, this it's just like a slice of life of someone whose life is extremely fucked up and. All he is there to do is fuck people over and kill them. That's that's his thing. But he does it with such like a prestige because like he does such a great job because half the movie he's like ah, ah, unhinged and saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry and lying in bed. And, and then the other time he's like, well, you know, maybe you want to go grab a cup of coffee. He's or the most suave SOB you've ever seen. So fucking charming. He Carrying looked, himself. He looked like he could lead a cult. You know, because and he acted like he could lead a cult. I could totally see because even when he was suave, he just had that just that touch of madness that made him so interesting. Yeah, he and again, credit to Joe Spinell as play uh, portraying Frank Zito. Uh, The fact that you almost buy Carolyn Monroe going out to dinner with him. Yeah. And the, just the way he's just so upfront about everything, um, the way it's shot, the like you said, the city itself is pretty much a character in the film. 
Um, a lot of that, I'm not sure how much they were like had permits. Like guerrilla filmmaking? That's what I love with a lot of the films from this era is kind of the access to more equipment for the most part. But ultimately, the pe- there are people out there that are just doing what they can. It's so freaking good. Yeah. Um, oh, there, that's what that is. Sorry. We were like, wait, what is that? Um, another thing ultimately is the uh, direction of Bill Lustig. Uh, he would go on later for Maniac Cop and Maniac Cop 2. But his films, like I said, his films always have that veneer of New York, of 42nd Street. Like an old cop show. Yeah. You know? But yeah. like just taken up to the dirty extreme. And like to the point where, and it's not like, we're not talking about like it as a snuff film or anything like that. But there's some like hard to watch scenes in it where you're just like, oh shit. But it's more like his performance because he brings oh, he- just such... I, for lack of a better term, manic energy to the performance. Where Certainly. He's, you just don't know what route he's going to take. Again, like he's suave one moment and then just like, you know, like mumbling to himself and, and, and killing hookers and just doing terrible things. Well, I watched a documentary about Joe Spinell um, ultimately, and they said that he very much was not like that character in the manic way, but in the charming way mm-hmm. that he could carry a conversation with anyone and everyone. He was just, he was very well read, but he was also very much someone that loved to, to party and have fun. And, you know, occasionally there, oh, yeah. you can understand that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. I think that's why he has that manic energy where he can bring that insanity to the performance because like if he likes to go out that it's a good and he there's always a little bit of madness in the mm-hmm. fun you know and so like yeah i could totally see where that well, but it's a it's a powerful movie yeah and manic energy to mannequin energy potentially um the kills in the film are horrid yeah. and that's where savini shines in this film from the scalping mm-hmm. which is still hard it, it's hard to watch ultimately yeah. for me and then, to me, the coup de gras in this film... Oh, is the exploding the, head. Oh, my goodness, which goes on the pantheon of yeah. exploding heads. Yeah. And then even the ending of the film, which I've always enjoyed because it goes to that next level of what is happening, how much of this was in his head, did he really do a lot of this, um, but the comeuppance that happens, uh, that from the mannequins to the... the 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 murdered vic you know ladies and then just them just going to town ultimately and then boom yep and then what just fucking happened and then my favorite free shot of his his eye opening and you realize he's still alive he's still out there yeah yeah it's it's a film that is not for everyone no know your audience on this this is and it's not a snuff it's a it's a good movie it is a very good movie but it's just not for everybody yeah it's I mean, a, and we can, and you can make the argument that all these movies, oh, they really don't like horror. No, no, but even for hardcore no. horror fans, this might not be for them. This is a film I appreciate, and I'm ultimately going to buy it on, I think it was either Severin or Blue Underground put it as a new Blu-ray. I, I want to pick it up because yeah. I want the extra features, obviously, behind yeah. it because yeah. just everything behind uh, the film. Literally peek into the madness. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, now, a film that is not for everyone, let's transition then to a film that... Which wasn't, again, at the time, but had a reputation in itself. But... Well, yeah, but now that a film that everyone knows or they think they remember that they know but mm-hmm. we're going back to the one and the only the original friday the 13th it's got a death curse oh. anytime crazy ralph origins oh, man. are you kidding just it's 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 got a death curse it uh-huh. just it sounds good off the tongue always good to say but a film that launched a franchise a film that launched a horror icon which 
never showed up in part in, in the, the film first that we're going to talk about. Right. Right. No, this is the film ultimately that I not I think now more thanks to Scream, mm-hmm. everyone remembers that Jason isn't the killer in this film. Right. But that was common back in the day. Back in the day, you know, like, oh, Friday the 13th, this is Jason. Well, ah, not the first one, not the first one. And ultimately, it was to piggyback off the success of Halloween. Mm-hmm. They realized no one had really used Friday the 13th in a film title. And ultimately, what we get, and we kind of discussed this off air, is almost like an American Jallo of yeah. shorts. Yeah. Of shorts. Of very short shorts, actually. <laughs> short shorts. Short shorts and bacon. Yes, there's, well, let's get to it. We talked about um, a lot of people get their start in genre films. Mm-hmm. I know Jennifer Aniston isn't big on people talking about her and Leprechaun. Apparently, she's not into that. Whatever, Leprechaun was great. Where, where is me gold? I love Leprechaun. She got to sh- share the sh- with, Francis, with Francis. Yeah, right. He, she should be honored. It's Francis. <laughs> <laughs> but this does give us um, an early appearance of Kevin Bacon, young Bacon, yeah. fresh Bacon. This is fresh off the side. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this is this is truly prime bacon, but not bacon enough that he is flashing bacon. Right, he's not hanging down yet. Not yet, not yet. We're we're building up to that, but ultimately, it is a film about uh, revenge and retribution, as we all know. Ultimately, um, but imagine going in the first time, and you're you're seeing all these kills, and even the MPA cut a little bit of this film up as it was. But again, the Savini kills in this one. Man, there's some wonderful kills. Again, another highlight reel stuff. Absolutely. I mean, even with the, some of the stuff that's more theater of the mind in the beginning, but yet when it comes out, you're like, holy shit, the machete in the head. Fantastic. One of my favorites, and you talked about theater of the mind, is the hatchet to the face. And he makes a point to make sure that when the hatchet is coming down, it hits something so you know it's real. Yeah. So eventually when you get the cut, you're okay with... The re- that other reveal there was so much interplay going on and it oh he always talks about how his time as a combat photographer in vietnam really brought in kind of the realism yeah of his effects because if you know if you've seen firsthand what a machete to the face can yes. do or what an arrow through the neck can do what the human body undone look undone looks like right oh. you add that gritty veneer realism like we talked about on some of the kills on maniac and then we talked about um the the arrow through the neck is an iconic kill yes it is yes iconic it is iconic kill and i'll even go with the decapitation oh at that, the very end oh that's a good because it feels real because the hands are there even though they're not anybody's hands they're like some giant dude's hands and like it's supposed to be this little old frail lady Betsy well, Palmer's frail, off screen, but like what are you kidding me right but it works so well it works so well it, and this movie is fantastic because like you said imagine going in we now know all the tropes mm-hmm. it's got a death curse and like mm-hmm. oh they're going to the cabin you know horny teens are gonna get fucking killed you know we know that now but back in the day you know so I liked that aspect. Yeah. I liked the fact that it sets up the tropes. It's yeah. cool. Also, uh, Steve Christie, one of my favorite all-time counselors, just that, oh, hi. Oh, hi. He's an early Tommy Wiseau. The fashions are wonderful. Big mustache and curly hair, no shirt, it's short a, shorts, it's a 70s film. and wood. It's a 70s film. Mm-hmm. That's so many things that we see in here. And, again, with the, don't pick up hitchhikers. Oh, yeah. I, Setting tropes early for Genius McGee. Yep. Well, ultimately, as much as we love both of these films, only one can advance into the round of the Scream 16. Now, at this point, then, we're going to go ahead and look at which of the two films, Genius McGee, Friday the 13th, or Maniac, is closer to your heart. I'm going to go for closer to the heart with Friday the 13th because 
I saw it way younger when I wasn't supposed to. Again, with Maniac, I came a little bit later to the game. Actually, a lot later to okay. the game uh, for that one. But Friday the 13th, I remember seeing it and just loving it. And like, and like the whole mystery aspect. And even to this day, when I rewatched it for the um, for the tournament, like I told you earlier, I'm getting into get, uh, more Giallo stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just finding more like um, fun things with the mystery and the whodunit okay. type things and the and the odd pacing. <clears throat> Not necessarily. There's not a lot of dream logic in the part uh, Friday the 13th, except at the end. Right. But I like the whodunit aspect. I, it, it's a nice change of pace from the Jays to the Friday the 13th later on in this series. <sighs> right. So, like, I, I, I dig it. I find myself being able to rewatch it again and finding more merits out of it. So I'm going to go closer to the heart on that one. So the heartstrings also pull on one particular film for me with between these two. And it does ultimately for me closer to the heart is going to be Friday the 13th. But the main reason is it's both feature wonderful VHS cover art. Yeah. But I don't know. There's something about the cover art with Friday the 13th. It is um, the silhouette with the campers walking in it. Spiros, Angelicus and Alex Ebel. I probably killed the pronunciations. But I may have mentioned this before. Um, my dad was a uh, uh, member of the Stanley uh, Fire Department, but he was a volunteer. It was a volunteer fire department. And at the fire station, I was there all the time. And on the main floor in the living room, they had a VCR and all these tapes strewn about. And of the tapes, they contained uh, Friday the 13th, part one through four. And... I just always remember looking... Solid lineup. It's really good, actually. Really good. Yeah. But I just always remember getting lost in those covers. Yeah. And especially in part four, because it showed uh, one of the kills from the shower, which always freaked me out. But it was that the cover of that first one, the silhouette, so artfully done, mm-hmm. the, the camping sinister. knife. Sinister. So wonderful that it just, to this day, I mean, it's one of my rotten rentals that I have. That was one of the first ones I bought because of that. And for me... It is just closer to the heart. So I'm also going to go with Friday the 13th on that. Now, on the flip side, from the heart to the head, we have the bracket topic of a slice of Savini. So Mm -hmm. Genius McGee, between Maniac and Friday the 13th, which one do you think is a better slice of Savini? I'm going to have to go with Friday the 13th. I think the different types of kills is is a... fantastic showcase not taking away from what he did in maniac Mm -hmm. but for me maniac had that had a lot of good kills but the coup de gras was the or the 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 piece de resistance was was uh the exploding head certainly but i think there was two or three big standout pieces in friday the 13th so i think that would there's there's more of Friday the 13th on his highlight reel than there would be Maniac. That's fair. And also one of the all-time great kills, he's killing Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Which is pretty unreal. Yeah. Now, technically, I'm going to go on the other side. I'm actually going to go ahead and say Maniac on that one as a slice of Savini. And for the exact same reason as you, but for me, because of the that piece de resistance, actually, of the head explosion, I don't know what it says about me. But I'm a sucker for a good head explosion like that and one that resonates. And that's the other thing. I saw this again in the theater last year and there were a lot of first timers seeing the movie. So when that happened and of course after that movie, it it holds there for a little while where you just have that. It was just delicious in a theater. And then, like I said, just the kind of the Grand Gunol aspect of the ending with just everything that's happening. Maybe it's just a little bit of the lighting, the, the feel of it. But for me. 
I think you could get a, I, I, for me, it's a better representation of Savini on that. However, it doesn't matter because by a score of three to one, uh, we're going back to summer camp and Friday the 13th has slashed its way into the round of the Scream 16. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite yet, Jason. We didn't, that's the beauty of that film. We didn't even talk about the goddamn ending. Nope. (laughs) That will come later. I'm assuming. Now our next bracket topic here, and this is always a good one because it's never a bad time to revisit any of these filmmakers no films absolutely not especially these two especially these two and our bracket topic we are going to be looking at weather masters and what is a weather master well ultimately it's a film dealing with some aspect of weather mm-hmm. from a horror master and if you were to say john carpenter and stanley kubrick those are horror masters. Oh, absolutely. So of the two, which one should we go ahead and delve into first there, Genius? Let's go The Shining. The Shining? The Shining. Oh, The Shining. This is another film that had a reputation that a lot of normies knew about. Oh, yeah. Again, the, first of all, the iconic uh, of Stephen King is yes. right there. Stanley Kubrick, another legendary director, because before that he still had some even some big hits. Mm-hmm. So holy shit, Stanley Kubrick's gonna do Stephen King. I bet it's gonna be like the book, and I bet it's gonna be <laughs> rad. I bet Stephen King's gonna love it. Yeah, he's gonna be, be ape over the shit. Um, nope. <laughs> but here's the weird thing: I do not remember the first time I've seen The Shining. I do not. Now I I, I feel like I've seen it. Ever, but I don't remember. I remember specific viewings, certainly, but I don't remember the first. Do you think because it was more of an adult horror, an adult-based horror, and it was also a long, very um, particularly paced film? I don't know because I, I don't necessarily. This is not a film for kids. No, no, absolutely. A lot of kids get got in this movie, but it's not a film for kids. Well, and I don't mean it that it's just like um, the material, but I just don't think they'll be they'd be bored by it. No, it's very slow and yeah. it's deliberate. Yes, and, and it's surgical precision. Oh, oh. You know, you don't rush surgery. Does I don't know whether again, but this this again, we're seeing more about ourselves here. But the fact that I know what he put um, Shelley Duvall through, yeah. That it takes away, yeah, yeah, some it of it for me. Just Little, some of the veneer is gone. We, really we, is. we saw the man behind the curtain, and it's not always pleasant, you know. And I appreciate suffering for your art, but don't make others suffer that much. We're human beings, man, right? Right, uh, but but let's face it, it's a great performance. Merits aside, yeah, that's I mean, not merits aside, uh, problematic director aside, it's still a great fucking oh, movie. Oh, if you have the patience for it, yeah, if yeah. you can handle it, yeah. you know, but like. <clears throat> Again, this is probably somebody's absolute favorite movie of all fucking time. In fact, I know these people uh, all favorite time. But this is one that I got to be in the mood for. Yeah. It's a good cold movie. Yeah. It's a good movie in December, January, February. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good movie if you're ever just by yourself for a while. It's the, you know, the dangers of isolation. Right. Um, <laughs> it's a good movie if you want some chocolate ice cream. Or it's a good movie if you want to... S- interestingly figure out what's going on with the man bear and like because that's some iconic imagery let's talk the man bear. i had no clue what was going on the first time or not the first time because i don't remember but one of the first times i saw this movie i when that that image you like dun 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 no clue did you have an adult in the room at least where you could go hey hey what's going on what's no going on? because shit when shit like that happened i didn't i didn't ask Actually, i just that's when the adult walks in the room when you're watching it and right you make the time. same face like the bear like yeah. you're like whoop <laughs> You know, like, like it's like this weird, like fucking, uh, 
video drone thing where it's like the it, there's the bear, there's the thing, there's you like oh, oh no, there's you, there's the bear. What's with the midget? It's seriously, <laughs> it's <laughs> we're all gonna get killed. Why? Once here's Rodney. Once the shit hits the fan. Yeah. Oh Lord. Yeah. It gets crazy yeah. with it because the 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 hotel itself is a character. <laughs> Just these the surrounding areas, the cold, the the snow itself ultimately is what you know does mm-hmm. Jack Torrance in. Um, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about like the greatest piece of production design in cinema ever. But the painting that is hanging above Scatman's Crothers' home. That is the absolute fucking best. I want that. That big velvet warrior. So good. good. Riding a white tiger. Oh, I love it. Love it. Love it. Scatman Crothers got style. You like Afro Beats Doc? (laughs) Right? He's he's cool. Yeah, like his character is. is great. But he goes out like a punk, and that's the thing. Well, it does give us a great ah, that right great, that great still, little scream. Still, no, it's, still, it's a and, and unfortunately, oh, I'll get to it in close to the heart. But oh, no, that's fair. That's fair. Like I said, it is a, it's one of those movies, and it's a long movie as well. Like mm-hmm. it, ultimately, it is you kind of have to find the time for it. But a film, a film that I found the time quite a bit especially last year in the month of October, because I saw it on the theater twice, yeah. uh, JC's The Fog. This is your nightlight. Uh, everything. Hey. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, oh. <laughs> you set me up and I missed the swing. Hey, everybody. I'm making a comment. I'm here to talk about The Fog. And I brought a friend. When am I coming on? God damn it. You better have some good quality hoochman back there. Anytime. Now, I'm not going to say the fact that Buck Flowers in a John Carpenter film is the reason we put it in there, but, you know. But, you know, like, this, I hate to, I'm trying to be as biased as possible, but now the scale's a little bit tipped. I'm not saying so we... So, has got the thumb on the scale. We have a Buck bias here the, yeah, on the podcast. Yeah, there's a bit of a Buck bias. No, The Fog is <laughs> such a great little turn after Halloween. Um, obviously, we're going to have uh, Escape from New York after this, but a, a tonal turn yeah. from a slasher to a ghost story a good old-fashioned ghost story and we literally open with one more time for one last ghost story this is carpenter's classy film because he was able to get well with he always works with great character actors yeah but i love it when he gets to work with the character actors that he grew up with and he's you know the fact that he's working with hal hallbrook uh, he's Janet got, Lee. Oh, and bringing back Tom Atkins. Sam's mustache, though. Minus the mustache. A little that, bit of less Samson. Yeah. He's got, he's got his. <laughs> he's got less some of his power gone. But still, ultimately enough to bed Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Coming back. Uh, Adrian Barbeau, so good in this. Such a good performance in this. And the pirates are scary as shit. Okay. One of, like, the, <laughs> a scene with masterclass acting is when Hal Holbrook. Is the very end is fighting the pirates, but before that, when that old lady gets prison shivved, <gasps> oh. that was scary as shit. It's such a great scare because Dean Cundy, he is the secret weapon in this movie, and it's a beautiful movie. Some of the establishing shots, well, in both movies, but in some of the establishing shots that Cundy does in oh. this one, it's just just gorgeous. Just like it could be on a painting, like. In a, in a classy house. And it's important to remember, this is before the advent of CGI, mm-hmm. that everything they're shooting is on screen, and they're trying to manipulate stuff that really can't be manipulated. Yeah. Um, so the fact that it works 
is a miracle. The fact that it works so well is a credit to Cundy and just the work he did with John Carpenter. Again, CNC movie factory in Every, effect. Everybody dance now. Uh, but uh, it's one that, again, is not for everyone. I remember actually closing out a movie marathon at my house with the fog. And people fell asleep. They did, which is fair. It's a slow burn. Both of these films. But all of Carpenter's movies are somewhat, well, Sands are a couple, but for There's, the most part, early Carpenter, slow. He's he, deliberate. He, he takes his time. Yeah, he does. Well, both of these filmmakers are ones that they have a vision and they, they're they going to achieve it one way or the exactly. other. Exactly. This is, <clears throat> sorry, not Stephen King's. This is Stanley Kubrick's The Shining versus definitely John Carpenter's The Fog. This and is their movies. This is their movie. Now, unfortunately, only one can advance into the round of the Scream 16. So let's go ahead and Genius McGee, mm-hmm. between The Fog and The Shining, which one is closer to your heart? I'm, I love The Shining. I love The Shining. The Shining is one of the best movies of all time to a lot of critics, but I got to be in the mood for it. Um, the Fog... The Fog is fantastic. I recently saw it when we saw it at Carpenter Fest. Got such a new appreciation for mm-hmm. The Fog. Seeing And I've seen both movies on the big screen before, like recently too. But there's something about The Fog. It was just gorgeous and it was scary. I knew what was going to happen in... Um, in the shinning and it also for the shinning it's kind of it kind of got ruined for me because now i'm always thinking the like shinning and- not only the shinning but like okay what what room should i stay away from uh you don't need to stay away from room 227 why because mary you know and so i can't unthink that and unfortunately that's my it follows so like every time i see the shinning one it's the shinning and two mary pops up right but the fog the fog is just still a scary ghost story like i'll fuck with the ghosts in the shinning but i won't fuck with those ghost pirates in the fog yeah so i'm gonna go with the fog and i guess it's uh, we should point out one of the uh, ghost members in the fog is played by rob Botin. yeah which is all sorts of wonderful I also have a soft spot for both filmmakers, but I definitely have a softer spot for one of the films, and it is The Fog. Um, It comes down to ultimately the film kind of like The Fog envelops you. Mm -hmm. It's, It's not a cozy film per se, but it's one that you can fall asleep to. Yeah. That'll in a, one, wonderful dreams. But it's one that'll reward you Adrian by getting Bar- all the way through. Oh. Adrian Barber ASMR. She'll be your nightlight. Adrian. Oh. Stevie Wayne, forget about it. Forget about it. So for me, that one is always going to be closer to my heart. Now, that being said, going from the heart to the head, we are looking at the Weather Masters here. So this is, you can interpret it your own way, but you have to show your work on this. So mm-hmm. genius with the bracket topic. Which is a better weather master? This one's easy, Fog. Because here's the thing. While in the shinning, the cold is definitely a factor. Truly. The snow is definitely a factor. If you take that, put the overlook in the woods, you still have the isolation. If you put it in the desert, you still have that isolation. In the wilderness, the prairies, it's about the hotel itself. The fog is about the fog you can't have the movie the fog on a sunny fucking day you know so if we're talking about what the weather a weather master is the way john carpenter made the fog an actual living character while yes there was the character of the shinning the fog is it's the fog's fucking movie you know so i gotta go the fog 
and I'm not going to say get out of my head, but for me, it's in the title. Yeah. It is everywhere you want it to be because yeah. of Carpenter and Cundy. And again, no disrespect to the Shannon. No. To Kubrick, to everyone involved in that film. Technically, it is probably a better film than The Fog. But right now, by a score four to zero. Dude, The Fog fucking covered The Shining. Yes, it did. And making its way into the round of The Scream. Stay out of The Fog in the round of The Scream 16. Now, our next bracket pairing is one that I was really anxious, especially one of the films, number one for you to see, but then number two, one of the films to revisit, because it had been a while. But as we mentioned before, with um, Kevin Bacon, with Jennifer Aniston, you see a lot of people, famous people, in genre films early on in their career. Now, mm-hmm. whether they embrace it or they, they, you know, just want it erased, it doesn't matter because it still exists. <laughs> you can't escape it, the past. Especially genre films. They right? will always, always be around. As much as you try, Renee and Matthew, oh. you're going to be in Texas still. You'll be in part of that generation. And our next bracket topic is a, uh, wait. Who? Who? Star-Lord, man. As, as we have two... And again, stars will be however, whatever you bring to that. Circus of the Stars! Oh, we'll get to that on channel... Was that a channel... Channel 9? Was it ABC? Yeah, I think okay, so. I believe so. But we have two films here with two cameos from two stars from the 80s. And we're looking at two films, like I said, ultimately one genius. Fade to Black was your first time viewing, correct? It was. It Let's was. go ahead and start there. Okay. Now, this is a movie that I was made familiar with because this is, I had no idea it existed Mm -hmm. until I was listening to the Shockwaves podcast and Dr. Rebecca McKendry mentioned this particular movie. And she said, it's basically about a film nerd that becomes a little bit too obsessed, becomes too obsessed with movies, loses sight of reality and shenanigans ensue. Right. I was like, oh, that sounds pretty good. Watched it. And not only is a, you know, um movie nerd but it's a socially awkward movie nerd that drives around on a scooter and oh oh did it hit home and again i'm not saying i'm an eric binford but if people that know me know i'm a socially awkward movie nerd that drives around on a scooter (laughs) well he wakes up the first thing he does is grab a cigarette and dr pepper and i'm like well this kind of hits home for me too now so like do you think eric binford is us cronenberg oh no he went into a we went into a telepod and eric binford came out the other end oh no yes just see if he takes a swig of milk and then we'll know right he, he sticks a swig of milk and snorts. That, that's when it happens. <laughs> that's when it happens. Uh, but it, it's definitely much like The Fog and The Shining before it, The Shitting. It's more of a slow burn film. This is more kind of Martin-esque. Yes, it is, because it is more character-based. Yeah. And the character itself, he's definitely tragic. He's mm-hmm. gone through oh, a lot. absolutely. Gone through a horrible amount, but at the same time, though... He still he ain't helping his cause by doing his shenanigans. The nastiness that comes about it. So was this a movie that you were familiar with at all? No. Okay. No, except from you. Okay. Again, another film that remained just unplayed. So this is the reason why we do this. So your initial thoughts then on Fade to Black? I really enjoyed it. Um, it's a very slow burn, and I didn't. There was times where it kind of lost me, but it brought me right back. It was a very interesting story. My beef is like, 
some of them kills he can't count. Um, he I need, he needs to put a couple of asterisks by his name. There's some incidentals in there yeah. where it's kind of like he might be in. There was a cause and effect, but not direct correlation. Of cor- correlation doesn't equal causation in this fate in this case. But he's also an asshole. <laughs> I yeah. mean, he really is. I mean, he's, like with some people that are endearing, like for maniac. Okay, you couldn't help but like like yeah. okay, this dude is charming. This guy was not charming. I could see where people were like, dude, this dude's fucked up. Stay away from him, Marilyn. You know? Like, he wasn't as charismatic in his own way he was. In his head. In his head he was. Again, a la Martin. Right. But he wasn't. What did you say? You said this was um, a horror nerd's... uh, Uh, Dream on. Yeah. It really, really was. He becomes the horror Martin Tupper. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it it's spot that's a spot on fucking thing. But what's funny though, and that's why I connect with a character like that, because quite honestly, if I ever need to go to my good place in my head, it's literally like a little kid in front of a TV with just the glow of the light and nothing else. Yeah. And it's just sitting there partaking. And we lose ourselves to movies, to television that we identify. We we quote along with them. That's mm-hmm. how we make friends, the vernacular. So again, I understand the psyche, but ultimately it's the, the follow through. Well, it was it was fantastic to see because I a hundred percent know what you're saying because the joy that he got when somebody actually got his movie reference, mm-hmm. I, I that's me. That's you know what I'm saying? I'm like, you got that movie too, you know? And so like exactly like you said, the film family, the film language. Yeah. And so yeah, it, but it was a character study. It was an extremely cautionary tale. Well, then any also film that features Tim Thomerson. Talking about banging a cop. I never banged a cop before. It's I don't know. We're wonderful, wonderful. Tim Thomerson, please come back. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I just you saw, yeah, yeah. It's appreciated immensely. But the kills themselves, like you said, are not the highlight of the film. It's almost the craft of the kills because yeah. ultimately all of his kills come from... Movies. Yes, he's inspired by them. Uh, he does actually rip through a pristine Halloween poster... Which like I was like, <gasps> which actually technically I wonder if that led to the heart attack with the guns like that was a, that was an original right holy shit it's the Birdman and like poof so there was a couple of there was a couple of kills he can't count but like the the the, the you got to give it to him he went in oh he's he's he full went committed. full on in in the movie like even like Bleh, you know like some was really good but like I wouldn't have chosen Mummy. Yeah, well, mummies, you know, but the, someone the, out there loves the mummy. Uh, yeah, yeah, but like he almost got it. Yeah, the spoilers. But he, this was a really, this was a film lovers movie. Yeah, you know, because like again, I think this was a film lovers cautionary tale movie. Cautionary tale, I think, is the right way to describe it. And another way to describe a cautionary tale is um, don't go into strange motels or you know the outwoods, urban areas. No. As no, we, a lot of people no. do in our next film, which is one motel hell. First of all, nothing good comes from roadside motel. I'm sorry if you're listening in a roadside motel, but make sure there's no bodies around, okay? Because in horror movies, you know nothing good from it. And then make it a backwoods motel. Yeah. Yeah. This is a motel hell is a movie that I watched so many times through USA Up All Night. And I'm pretty. This one, I think, was maybe a up all night versus yeah. an up all night. Oh, yeah. This one this one was a Gilbert, and this one was a Commander USA. Com- I can imagine that one totally on Commander mm-hmm. USA. And having not seen it in a while unedited, I realized they really didn't have to take a lot no, out for no. it. It's really PG. It's it, a really PG movie, except really? for like a, a shit and a damn and a tit here and there. Beyond that, for the most... And that's very common. Yeah. That's PG in yeah. the 80s. <laughs> yeah, it was. 
Hell, that could have been a G rating in, in 1980 <laughs> for all we know. But this is one that had been a while since I've seen. And revisiting it again, it's very much a horror comedy. Yes, absolutely. More a little bit on the comedy side. I, For some reason, I remember the horror a little bit more fondly. And I think that ultimately comes to the <laughs> that scene, yeah. which iconic in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But also the fact that it's the film is technically a satire mm-hmm. on so slasher. many different things. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not going to say it's more clever than it needs to be, but I, you know, it does take all kinds of uh, critters to make Farmer Vincent's fritters. And I think there is no better cap at the end of the film than when he's like on his deathbed, he's dying, and his final admission. I used preservatives. <laughs> Just so. Good job, Rory Calhoun. You know, from it, the guy who stands up and does things. He does. Th- <laughs> it's it's ridiculous, and th- th- throughout the film, that's his main thing. Is just like it's all natural. Yep. Are they going to understand what we're doing here? He goes, oh, I think like fucking the, when he like, gets the hippies, he goes, oh, this one's already smoked, and just like goofy. It's a goofy movie, but the 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 imagery <laughs> the. I think what happens, I, I 100% agree with you, where it is definitely a comedy. I think most people think it's more horror than it, it is really advertised is. advertised as a straight horror film. Because you see on the back, you see Farmer Vincent with the pig head. You see with the Nancy chainsaw. Parsons as, oh, as Ida so with the scary. pig head. Oh, when she scares the shit out of those kids, I laughed so hard. Because, like, I don't know if I'd put the pig head on, but I'd definitely, like, rah, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if they were like neighbors with the guy from Eating Alive. Right? Like it exists that in that world. Woods. Yes, yeah. that road you want to avoid. At the the terrible sheriff, the, oh, you know, Will Ferrell man of action, just like And like you said, it culminates in Farmer Vincent with the big old hog head with the oversized chainsaw and we get a chainsaw fight and Harold and Maude romance going on. Oh, it it's a it's ridiculously fun film yeah i had a great time and technically if you look at it it's a movie about uh the fact that maybe we're deluding ourselves in many ways that we don't give a fuck what we eat as long as it's all natural no preservatives and the guy who's chilling it is like charismatic enough i'll eat it because yeah exactly he fed the jerky to the kids take a bite son you know like knowing full fucking well it's like human flesh and like i'll be honest it made me hungry. <laughs> I ain't even gonna lie. I kind of wanted to. Not a deal breaker. Not a deal breaker. Oh boy. Wanted, oh boy. You know, apparently, if people come from miles around for Farmer Vincent's fritters, it's probably fucking great. All kinds of critters. You, you know? have to be cautious of those regional I know, things. Fucking, like that's always like interesting when you go to the like those backwoods gas stations. Like I, ju- <laughs> like to this day, I don't trust jerky. It's like, oh, Carl's jerky. Well, who the fuck is Carl? Um, Carl. Like, yeah. oh no, no, good. I'll stick with the fucking Twinkies. So, well, as wonderful as both of these <laughs> films are, only one can advance into the next round of the Scream Sixteen. So, let's take a look here, uh, Genius McGee. Which of the two films, Fade to Black or Motel Hell, are closer to your heart? Motel Hell. I mean, Motel Hell. Commander USA. The iconic line about the Farmer Vincent's fritters. We said it like twelve times already. So, no, Motel Hell is just. Kind of like kind of like Beetlejuice, it just keeps getting funnier every time it's, I see it. I can't so. disagree with that. Now, for me, this is again one I saw countless times. I loved the VHS cover, and only having recently discovered Fade to Black, I'm nope, you nope, know, I can't do it. I I have a button on my vest of Fade to Black, but 
Yeah, the nostalgia ties are just too much to Motel. I was going to try to maybe argue that, but in my heart of hearts, right. I can't do it. I can't you do can it. You can justify anything you want, but... Uh, that one, yeah, yeah. That one, the heartstrings aim true, those, but... Those are rough. You know, you can fool the heart. Maybe you can't, but you can't fool the head. So we have a bracket topic here of a... Wait? Who? who? We haven't even talked about the cameos yet, because I was saving it for this. So, Fade to Black kind of famously features it's not really a cameo it's pretty much a co-starring performance mm-hmm. of mickey rourke mm-hmm. and you have to keep in mind this is 1980s mickey rourke this is like prime rourke this is he was a heartthrob yeah and all over this film and we might see him eventually in like angel heart uh, potentially yeah we'll talk about yeah. but a famous character actor that had a crazy journey in hollywood uh Go see the wrestler, obviously, for some of his more Fucking contemporary Iron work. Iron Man Two. Iron Man. He's in the MCU. It, it, the Expendables. Yeah, he's yeah. the dude that messed with Eric Benford is in the MCU. Now, on the flip side of that, we have Motel Hell, mm-hmm. and uh, from going from where everyone knows your name uh, to the the frozen confines of Hoth to Farmer Vincent's farm, but we've got uh, Cliff Clavin himself, uh, John, John Ratzenberger. Ratzenberger. Yeah. John Shona, hey. As a, as a punker. As uh, a punk rocker. Hey, you guys want to go uh, mosh or something? <laughs> you guys want to go? <laughs> yeah, you know, they say the uh, the decibel level of uh, your average outhouse there. Uh, you may, you may, may not want to do that, you know? Yeah. Our younger audience may not know these guys. That's what's the, the craziest part to me. But if you see the Pixar movie, you know John Ratzenberger. Damn right you do. Again, someone in the Disney universe... In Farmer Vincent's yeah. Critters. We got MCU versus Disney, but in theory, they're all Disney. They are all Disney. Damn you, Disney. Yeah. Well, ultimately then, uh, the What Better Wait Who had for you there, Fade to Black with uh, uh, Mickey Rourke or Motel Hell with John Ratzenberger. Mickey Rourke's are cool, but one, John Ratzenberger showing up is dope. Plus, you can even go Wait Who with Rory Calhoun. You know, he's yeah. the guy that's always standing up and, and doing things. So, like... <laughs> <laughs> that's that's for me. Wait, that's, that's it. I got to showing go. the work. That's yeah. showing the work. Because it was a bigger role, uh, because it's Mickey Rourke, and because he's also involved in Nine and a Half Weeks, which is one of those <laughs> all time great looking over your shoulder movies when you're watching it by yourself. A shinning moment. <laughs> what are you watching? Yes, for that in that in of itself. Oh, just stay out of that room. I am going to give it the vote to Fade to Black, but it does not matter because with a vote of three to one, Motel Hell is grinding Fade to Black up and adding it into the fritters and moving into the round of the Scream 16, Mm -hmm. which leads us to our last bracket topic and our last pairing from 1980. Oh, oh. And... Again, we love creature features. We mm-hmm. love monster movies. Mm-hmm. We love underwater flicks. Yes. Where things come from the sea because genius, will you go into open bodies of water? Fuck no, dude. I'm telling you. You go into oceans. You go into rivers. Not only as soon as you step foot in the water, you become a couple of pegs lower on the food chain, but there's all kinds of squid and things that'll swim up your pee hole and all sorts of terrible things. Oceans? No, no, not so much. Lakes? No, not, no, no, no. Plus, so, yeah, no, I don't swim. 
So it's fair to say that any of the two films, while in our next bracket here, you wouldn't probably engage in? No, it doesn't matter. They can come on the, uh, the land and fuck me up. As we find out here, so our last bracket here in 1980 is sa- Sailing the Sleazy Seas. They'll both fuck me up, but one probably worse than the other. And we have two films famously featuring uh, aquatic monsters, some something coming from the waters. Mm-hmm. We have both alligator and humanoids from the deep. Genius, which one do we dive into first? Let's get the humanoids over with. <laughs> Is this a film you remember your initial like uh, viewing interaction with it? I do. I do. Really? I do. Canon Madness. So not too long ago then. Yep. I remember, because I remember hearing, ew, humanoid, that's sleazy. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's gross. I'm like, well, how gross could it be? It's just fucking fish people killing people, right? Well, Sally Hawkins be damned. Here comes here comes humanoids from the deep. And I'm like, okay, this is a movie you don't want to watch while eating fish sticks. No, no. Nor with any family members, potentially. No, no, no. This movie, the creatures are cool. This, the, the, the premise, okay if they if their sole purpose was to come up and fuck people up and eat them this movie would be grand grand right but put it in the long line of wonderful underwater monster movies right but the fact that their whole raison is to come up and fucking diddle everybody and the first the first thing the first kills that came in this movie was a fucking dog and a kid now the kid i'm cool with you know, I'm not saying I want to see kids die, but like, you know, I mean, it happens in horror movies, right? We're fans but, of Stephen King. Right, 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 right. But you don't have to kill the dog and like they're probably it's... fucking diddled the dog. So like these fucking diddle, diddle fish monsters, which although I'm talking about it, but they're cool. You want to know why? Why? Designed by Rob Bottin. They're fucking cool. He's everywhere in the 80s. He's everywhere you want to sleaze. Sle- so like, <laughs> but um, no, he's there. Like I said, if they came up just to kill, this would be great. Like the fucking, what, Miss Beach Queen? And like, mm-hmm. this is Robin Ronnie on the radio. And like, the story is cool. Fucking the whole like subplot. But like, they're taking the Native Americans' waterlands. And like, the whole like, dirty sheriff. That's what I liked, that they had these really good, again, that something that feels like it came from like a 1970s character piece. Because it even had a good old bar fight. It was like fucking walking tall and like, well, Mars needs women. If you have Vic Morrow in your film, you guaranteed you're going to get some kind of fist cuffery just right? something manly for the mm-hmm. most part um the monster work is wonderful now this is directed by barbara peters and it should be noticed that a lot of roger roger corman movies he was definitely one of those individuals that really wanted to promote women in film women directors um unfortunately a lot of the movies that he produced were films like humanoids from the deep and apparently a lot of these the diddle scenes mm-hmm. were tacked on afterwards um when so when she, apparently barbara saw it for like a first time in a theater she's a little shocked by what she saw but yeah. she i think ultimately knew with corman he has his kind of yeah the formula there and there's a quote and, you know there's like yeah it's <laughs> it's the 80s another time <sighs> another, another place <laughs> truly but, it's problematic now. Oh yeah, no. I mean, extra, and, it, I'm, and it's problematic then. But if you take away from the problematic aspect of it, 
it's still a good movie. There's no, some it, genuine scares in it. Like when the uh, she's alone and the, here comes the thing and the house. The house siege was great. The fucking carnage scene at the carnival. At the carnival is wonderful. Oh, it was so good. This movie is this movie is great. I mean, like if you can get past the fish diddle. You just need to know what's coming. You just yeah, exactly. Kind of like this movie is not for everybody because there's a lot of fish diddling. It's not the lure graphic. No, not at all. It's but, a lot of theater of the mind, but it's a, not a bad theater of the mind. There's a little thought theater in the eye as well. Now, and the um, ending's crazy. Yeah. Well, and ultimately, it's all about how science has perverted nature, and mm-hmm. nature's going to pervert you back, basically. Right. Like, do not mess with Mother Nature. Right. She will ultimately, she'll cuckold you one way or the other. <laughs> she'll outperv you every time. Every time. Well, uh, from a film that not wasn't a chore to get through, but one I probably won't revisit anytime soon... To a film I'm glad I revisited and one I will go out of my way to revisit with other people. I will watch this movie anytime. You say you want to watch Alligator? Yup. <laughs> it's been a while since I've watched it. And this is a movie I always remember as a kid because, as we mentioned, it starts basically with an urban legend. Yeah. We've all heard of that person that flushed the alligator down the toilet. But then, it even doesn't start that. It starts out oh, with it, somebody getting chopped up by an alligator. And it looks fucking real. It looks like fucking behind the scenes of like the worst show in Florida. You know what I'm saying? Like, no offense, Florida, but you know you got some fucking alligator shows that tore people up there. Don't even trip. But uh, like, there's, <laughs> it just starts out like, no, nah, he's, oh, it's okay. Part of the show. Meanwhile, like, I, daddy, I think he's is, getting their arm ripped off. Well, and it does not deter that little girl that's the best part that is the best part she wanted it more and like it could be a creep show thing it's like this plant eats meat you know it's so like you know what that's lake placid origins that little girl girl grows up to be betty white it totally is it totally is well it's even better the fact that it's basically Chekhov's alligator that Mm -hmm. it's technically hers is the one that eventually gets flushed down and many years later and eats a chemically altered dogs. Yeah, again, another one where science is perverting nature and nature perverts back. Yep. There's a common... That's what I like about these films. Like I said, you can put some heady issues behind a killer alligator or diddling f- killer fish, mm-hmm. and it still works. Yeah. But I think that ultimately the reason that this works... Like the alligator... Uh, tractal effects are alligator great. Alligator is dope. Alligator is dope. So looking. good. So good. But for me, it's the character work in oh, this one. Oh, absolutely. And Robert Forrester. Oh, man. Kills, kills and steals it. this movie. Kills it. He's just the grizzled cop. And it's it's the dirty Harry you love. I mean, but here's what I love about this movie. It's funny as shit. Oh, it's hysterical. It's so fucking funny. Robert Forrester, the in-joke is his balding hair. In fact, there's a scene post-coitus where she's like rubbing his head and he's like, stop it. I look, I got, just don't mess with it because he's it's going to make more fall out. He's about it. I, I get a lot of teased a lot. I'm very sensitive. Please don't. It's oh. just so funny. Um, it adds such a level of just realism and humanity to a film about a giant killer alligator. But the part that had me cracking up when the old man is like barbecuing and like... <laughs> He's he's a terrible old man because he runs the the pharmaceutical company that fucking started everything, right? And so he's like, yeah, see, you got to put the hickory smoke. And he's got a crony like, yeah, hickory. And see, the problem is when you put the hickory smoke in, you got to let it do the flavor for the charcoal. (laughs) Charcoal. Stop. See, the problem is what you're doing is get away from me. It's so funny. 
everything in this movie is just hilarious. To the grizzled partner, the cop, you. I'm going to put my badge on the line for this, but if we fuck up, it's your fault. It's a police procedural, and then you throw in a killer alligator. Giant alligator with a lot of comedy. The hostage situation in the police station. <laughs> I'm the killer. Uh, and then he's like, no, you're not. Shut the fuck up, right? Oh, God. It was so good. Uh, and then obviously one of the great scenes where the anticipation of are they or are they not going to, but the walking the plank scene. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, God, like, oh, shit. I <laughs> you t- you, I even, this is I an eating alive moment where I text you like fuck this. You're like check it out, they eat a fucking plank. I'm like yep, yar. That's what pirates do. Pirates walk the plank. But oh, and then the hunter. Oh oh oh. Anytime Henry Silva shows up in your movie, being creepy. Like hey, you want to hear how a uh, alligator mating call goes? They get. On national light, we're live, right? Like, I'd like to think that was a Bowfinger situation where Henry was just on on set, and they're like, "What is he doing? Film it, film it. That's gold." This movie is so good, but it's also technically a Jaws film. Yeah, they all fit the specific. Like Henry Silva is the Quint, uh, Forrester is the Schneider, and then the Doctor was the the Dreyfus. I mean, it like fits it perfectly, Mm -hmm. where it felt comfortable. You know, even though all this hating is shit, people are getting got right and left. There's carnage in the streets. There's carnage everywhere. This is a fun movie. And written by John Sayles, who go back again to the Dante Corman connection, uh, Piranha and the Howling. So good pedigree with it. And ultimately a film, like I said, I will go out of my way to revisit. Now, as interesting as an experience as both of these films were only one can advance into the next round so ultimately which of the two genius mcgee alligator or humanoids from the deep which of the two are closer to your heart um when we were doing the brackets and it was alligator that's an i've seen that this was my first time really seeing alligator i've seen bits and parts of it i saw the 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 siege of the uh the, pool party yep, yep. and i've seen bits and parts of it and i know robert forrester and i've seen humanoids from the deep before but alligator was not quite eaten alive mm-hmm. not quite martin because it but it was revelatory i love this movie this movie is so <laughs> fucking good it's funny it's brisk it's mean it's, it's but it balances the humor the meanness the police everything so well so i gotta give it to alligator i'll watch this movie all fucking day looking at the two um alligator for me does hold more than nostalgia not only because of just the concept but of the urban tale the urban legend the fact that i heard people tell me about these things and you could insert an iguana instead of an alligator or something else but just something to that will you know crawl out of the sewers which of course is that you'd never find yourself in this particular movie there genius but just Fuck no just the fact that it creates an urban legend i gotta go with that so i'm also gonna say alligator is closer to my heart now if you're sailing the sleazy seas however um and again interpret that as you will which of the two fits that one better for you there Okay, I'm going to say this right now. Humanoids from the Deep is as far as a sleazy movie, but and it should take the bracket. But I'm calling it shenanigans. I My vote is for Alligator. It's not sleazy. It's just fun. It's, just fun. it's mean. Sleazy can be mean. Okay, that's my criteria. It's mean. It's mean. it's mean, and it's slimy like an alligator, and it's fast and fucking great. I'm going Alligator. I I'm also gonna say alligator. My my reason, sole reason, two words: Henry Silva. 
He just that, okay, yeah, he's he, how sleazy. He, he dude. oozes. He just oozes. Tripped. He just looked like the sleaziest Bob Barker seventy. Like if he just like uh, I'm gonna have your pet spayed and neutered. <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> those fish creatures would have avoided him at all. Yeah, costs. they would. They've would been like, nope, and then just walk around. Oh man, he was a creep. Well, by a count of four to zero, Alligator takes a big old bite out of humanoids from the deep and is going into the round of the Scream 16. So for this Friday, in next round, here are our matchups we're going to have. Oh, wow. Yeah. Friday the 13th versus Motel Hell. No, that'll be Friday the 13th versus The Fog. Oh, no, I'm sorry. For, I got my things mixed up. You're all good. Friday the 13th versus The Fog. Holy shit. That's a classic showdown right there. John Carpenter could get his revenge for biting on Halloween. There we go. And we have Motel Hell versus Alligator, both comedies. If you put them together, somehow you get eaten alive. Yes. Holy shit. No, the, then they really put Maniac in it and really go for it. That would totally work. That yeah. would totally work. Then you'd get tourist trap, I believe. <laughs> Yuck, Connors. Yeah. And then I'm going to cover the eyes. Well, only of uh, those four, we're going to have two. I should say, of those four, only one will advance into the round of the Frightful Four. And all you have to do is just wait until this Friday to listen in to see which film goes forward. And again, we can't mention the guests, but we have two phenomenal podcasts, artists, fans, what have you, people coming in to talk the merits of these four films. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Mm-hmm.